When Elizabeth was six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said, Don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David his father. He will rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. Then Mary said to the angel, How will this happen since I haven't had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come over you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is to be born will be holy. He will be called God's Son. Look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman, who is labeled unable to conceive, is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. Then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. Then the angel left her. Mary got up and hurried to a city in the Judean highlands. She entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice, she blurted out, God has blessed you above all women, and he has blessed the child you carry. Why do I have this honor that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Happy is she who believes that the Lord would fulfill the promises made to her. Christmas has always been a very important time of the year for me. Although I didn't really know it when I was growing up, my family was actually rather poor, and we couldn't afford very much throughout the year. But at Christmas, it was always different. There was always something special under the tree, something that I really wanted. I know now that my mother probably saved up all year to be able to afford those gifts. And I know that friends and family and, and people close to us also pitched in to help, and I'm very appreciative of all of that. I remember every Christmas Eve we would go to my grandfather's house, and all of my aunts and uncles and cousins would get together. I'm an only child, so my cousins were the and are the closest thing I have to siblings, to brothers and sisters. And we would all get together, and everybody would be there. And even though my parents were divorced when I was very young, my father would still come uh, to to the the celebration with my family and everybody was together and it was a fun time and it was happy and i remember just being so full of love and joy i looked forward to it every year and every year i was sad when it ended and i remember waking up on christmas morning and going out and getting the presents and unwrapping things and sitting with my mom and, and my dad was often there too. 
and just enjoying the morning and having breakfast and, and being together as a family. And it was a wonderful time. And so Christmas has always been very special to me. It's my favorite holiday, and I look forward to it every year. Uh, in fact, I look forward to it so much that I think it annoys my life. <laughs> but I, I just love it, and I've always loved it. But as time goes on and as I've gotten older, Christmas has become a little less and less magical every year. And it's become a little more and more sad. The past three Christmases especially have, have been especially sad, or really four. The first was the first Christmas that I was here in Japan and I was by myself. And I had a, uh, a, a Skype video call with my family back in Austin and we opened gifts together and everything. But it was still very lonely Christmas. I didn't know anybody in Japan, really. I didn't do anything with anybody. I was living in a tiny one-room apartment, um, about 10 foot by 10 foot square. That's, that was the whole apartment. And I had a little nativity scene that I brought with me, a little folding nativity scene. And I had a stocking. Um, my family had mailed me a stocking to hang up. <laughs> so I had a stocking and had gifts to open that they had sent me, which was really wonderful. But it was still very lonely. The next year, my uh, my family had come to Japan, and, and we were enjoying getting ready for, for Christmas in Japan. Christmas is actually a very fun season in Japan because there's all these lights and decorations and festivals and things. The New Year is a much bigger festival than Christmas. Christmas is really seen kind of like um, a date night that you go out with, with the one that you love, which is kind of interesting. But nonetheless, it's there's all kinds of things going on, and it's it's fun, and it gets cold and everything. And then we got the news that um, our dog, who... Um, was 15. So we had had her since, since she was three, um, or something like that. So, so we'd had her for a long, long time and she was 15 and we found out uh, that she had uh, cancer. Now we had known this before about, about five or six years earlier, she had been treated for cancer and they had, uh, they had removed everything that they had found and we thought we, she was fine, but we found out that it had come back and that it was, there was no way to cure it. There was nothing to do. And that she had about two or four weeks left and that was it. And so, um, we had to go through the experience of being with her as she died. Um, and she died just the day before Christmas Eve, um, which was very sad for all of us because she was a member of our family. And here in Japan, they don't do euthanasia, uh, for the most part. So, <clears throat> it's very unusual to, for example, put down an animal who is, um, who is, who you know is going to die unless they're suffering very badly. And she wasn't really suffering, and so um, they wouldn't really put her down. And so we, we were with her through to the end, and it was a very difficult time. And then the next year, 2019... Um, again, we were coming up on Christmas and things seemed okay. My, my birthday is right before Christmas. It's in, it's at the end of November and, um, my birthday went really well. My wife's family was here uh, for my birthday and, uh, they flew back to the U S and just a day or two after they left, 
I found out that my mother had died. And so and it was very unexpected, uh, very unexpected. And so um, my dad died about 10 years ago. Uh, sorry, much longer than that, 15 years ago <laughs> um, now. And so this was, you know, my last parent, really. Um, and it was uh, it was a shocking thing. It was a really, really shocking. And so then I had to fly back to the U.S. just on, you know, a two days notice um, and take care of all of the, you know, I'm an only child. So I was the executor of the will, I, uh, everything. And so I had to take care of all of the estate and of the burial, the interment and the service. And um, I actually did the service myself. I, I performed the service myself, which um, people were really surprised about. But for me, it was a very important thing to do. And that was, uh, so she, she passed away on December 3rd. And I finished up in Austin um, around the third week of December, I guess, uh, and came back just in time to have Christmas <laughs> with my family here. And it was um, probably the saddest Christmas I've I've ever had, to be completely honest. I was um, I was really out of it uh, the whole time, and so. That was really bad, and so this this year, as Christmas has approached, I've been kind of out of it as well because Christmas was my mother's holiday. I mean, she was really into it, really, really into it, and um, that side of the family, you know, and and my mother and my father and my grandparents are all gone now, and so it was. It's been kind of sad, but I've been trying to to let that go and to, um, to embrace things. And our, our Christmas tree here in Japan finally looks good for the first time in a while. Uh, cause we had to, you know, get all new ornaments and lights and everything. And so things seem to be going well. And then, then we found out, um, just today actually that our cat has cancer. <laughs> and, um, so, and he's, he's 10 and we've raised him since before he was weaned, we actually had to bottle feed him at first. And so now we're dealing with that. We're starting chemotherapy for him and um, hoping for the best. But it has just made the Christmas holidays so sad for us. I mean, just three years in a row of, of sadness. And it's hard when you look out and see everyone being happy and, and joyous about the Christmas season when you don't feel that way, when you feel sad or when you feel grief for those you've lost or when you feel somehow disconnected from what's going on. It can be very sad. And I think we don't acknowledge that often enough. So in a, a very poor segue, <laughs> let's look at this text that we had today. So uh, I'm very excited this week that we are, once again, are finally really moving into the New Testament in the narrative lectionary. This re this reading this week is actually the exact same reading that they're using in um, kind of the standard uh, uh, lectionary, the, the revised common lectionary uses this same reading about um, the Lord coming, or the angel of the Lord coming to Mary and saying, uh, that you're going, you know, Mary, you're going to be pregnant um, with with a very important baby, and you're going to call him Jesus, and all of this. Uh, and this comes from Luke's gospel. Uh, Luke's gospel is actually my favorite of the of the four gospels. 
each of the four Gospels uh, was written with a different audience in mind and, and in a different time. Um, we think that the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew were written more or less at the same time. You know, not exactly, but pretty close. And we think that Mark was probably written much earlier and that John was written much later. And so they, the different Gospels have different uh, information in them, different stories that they share depending on their lineage and, and when they were written. And they also have different audiences. So Luke's Gospel, uh, Luke, uh, to whom the, the Gospel is attributed, was a companion of Paul, uh, Paul the Apostle, um, or uh, the the. Yeah, anyway, the Paul the Apostle. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Paul was really focused on the Gentiles. He was focused on the people who were outside of the Jewish community and bringing them in to the Christian community. And so a lot of the preaching that he did was directly related to that. And he considered himself the apostle to the Gentiles. And he worked to start churches in places where there were not large uh, uh, Jewish communities already and, and all kinds of things like that. And so unsurprisingly, Luke's gospel, uh, is really focused on, um, telling God's story and telling the story of Jesus to those outside the Jewish tradition. So if we were, this, this text about, um, the, angel of God coming to Mary and, and telling Mary that she will bear a child is in the first uh, chapter of, of Luke's gospel. And right before this, and this is kind of alluded to in the text we heard today, right, right before this, we hear the story of Elizabeth, who uh, we're told is a relative of Mary, although we're not told exactly how they're related. And Elizabeth and, um, and uh, her husband are very old um, and they haven't had any children. And her husband is, uh, is a priest in the temple. And he goes in one day to, uh, to lay out the incense on the altar. And an angel of the Lord comes to him and says that, uh, that his wife will, will give birth to a baby and that that baby will help bring people to the Lord. And that, that, that child will, um, will make, will make way for, uh, for the for uh, the Messiah who is coming, and that that child ends up being John the Baptist, who is a very important character in the New Testament, who precedes Jesus and kind of uh, uh, creates a you know uh, uh, prepares the way for for people to come to Jesus. Software has to do something really strange, um, and so. Uh, Sorry. Oh, and so anyway, the the point is that Luke's gospel begins with this story. Uh, on on the other hand, if you take a look at Matthew's gospel, which was written about the same time, but is targeted more towards towards the Jewish community, Matthew's gospel begins with a long genealogy of Jesus, because for Matthew, it's important to link Jesus into the genealogy of David, uh, and then into the genealogy, therefore, of Adam, to show that it, that it's one long bloodline all the way leading to Jesus. Because for the Jewish community, that was really an important aspect of the story. But to the, to the Gentile community, that, that didn't really mean a whole lot. It wasn't, wasn't really important or as important. 
What was more important was this kind of miraculous event of, of first God uh, ha- uh, allowing a, a very old couple to give birth, and then of God uh, producing uh, a child with a, a virgin, a woman who had not had not had a sexual intercourse at all with with a man. And so these these pieces of the story were more important to Luke's audience than, for example, the genealogy. And so those are the kinds of things that, that differ between the, the Gospels. And people ask a lot, well, why are there four Gospels? Well, there are four Gospels because they focus on different things, not because they tell drastically different stories. Um, anyway, so Luke is focusing on the people outside the Jewish community. And in this um, text about, about Mary, we learn that, that Mary is from a town called Nazareth in uh, Galilee. And Nazareth, you know, Galilee was kind of the outskirts of, uh, of Judea. And Nazareth was a tiny little town in the country. I mean, this, this is, um, you know, I grew up in Texas, but <laughs> I think this would be like someone saying that, you know, Jesus was born in Odessa, you know, uh, or, or, <laughs> or, you know, Fredericksburg or something, um, some little, you know, little town where everybody knows everybody, um, you know, where everybody is, is kind of, uh, you know, meeking out an existence, you know, at this, at this time, these people were not very well off. They were, you know, subsistence, uh, farmers, they were just trying to get by. And so, uh, later in the, in the gospel, there's a, a line that I really like where someone says, you know, what good could come from Nazareth? And that's that's kind of the point, right? Like, who would have thought that that the Messiah, that that God's anointed one, that that God would come from this poor, unwed mother, living, um, you know, in shame, really, because she's having a child out of wedlock, in the the boondocks countryside uh in a in a small town in the middle of nowhere way away way far away on the very edge you know not anywhere near jerusalem what you know how how could this happen and and that's really the point i mean that's not an accident that's that's the point of the story the point of the story is that god chooses people who are completely unexpected to do the the tasks that God needs done. God asks all of us to be co-creators in God's kingdom in this world. And Jesus and Mary and Joseph are no exception here. They're they're just regular people living their lives. They're no one important, they're no one spectacular, they're there, you know, no one that anybody would know about if it weren't for Jesus, right? And so just regular people end up making a huge difference in the world. And what makes Mary so interesting in, in the, the Bible is that she has so much faith in God. She, you know, she, she wonders you know, how can this be? How, how can this be? Because I've never, I've never had sexual relations. How can I have a child? And the angel tells her, 
uh, you know, that God will be with her and, and so on. And, and she's like, okay, if, if you say so, then, then I am, you know, I believe I'm, I'll do whatever, you know, I'm, I'm God's servant. I'll do whatever I need to do. And, uh, she's often looked to by, by, um, contemporary Christians and, and by Christians in the past as a symbol of this, this idea of, um, of having deep faith in God and of humbling oneself before God and, and putting God's needs above one's own needs. Um, but really what I want to focus on today is the fact that she is the most unlikely person to give birth to the savior of the world. That, that is the kind of core message of this part of the story. So what does that have to do with my, my story earlier? <laughs> so in, in difficult times, I think it's really easy to think that God is not with you. Um, certainly, I can imagine Mary, uh, or maybe even even better, Joseph. You know, here is Joseph. He's been, um, he's been kind of betrothed to Mary, but they haven't been, they actually haven't, haven't actually been married yet. That um, doesn't happen until later. And he finds out she's pregnant and it, it doesn't come up in this, um, in this quote, but, but what he does is he says, well, he thinks, well, you know, I don't want to cause her any trouble. So I'll just quietly divorce her, um, before the marriage is finalized so that, um, so that there's no scandal, right? So that there's no huge scandal about, um, her because, because if she got pregnant, if she was betrothed and she got pregnant, then, um, that could be considered adultery, right? And she could be stoned to death and all this kind of thing. And so, and so he was trying to kind of uh, make it much easier on her. And then uh, Angel comes to him and says, "Joseph, don't do this. This is what's happening. Uh, you know, this 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 child is of God, and and all this." And then he he then accepts her and 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 supports her and and um, and loves her and loves the baby and everything. But what what could it be like to be in this situation? I mean surely the community around them didn't look on them very positively. You know, here was a young, you know, uh, a young betrothed couple, not even married. Uh, the woman was pregnant. You know, we don't, we don't know who the father is. Although I assume, I would guess that Joseph told people that he was the father, which is, you know, better than, than something else from a social perspective. And certainly they talk about, Jesus as being the son of Mary and Joseph. But it certainly must have been difficult for them. And then they have the census and they have to travel and they, they can't find anywhere to stay. And so they, they end up staying in, you know, in a guest room and they have the baby in, in um, uh, what is alternately translated as a stable or the manger, but was really like the part of the house where you kept the animals. Um, and, you know, they just, they just had a really difficult time. And I think it's easy in those times to feel like God is not with you. And going back to what I said earlier, you know, this season is supposed to be a joyous one. It's supposed to be a happy time. There's all of these upbeat songs and happy stories and, and advertising <laughs> and everything. But for a lot of people, it's not a happy time. For a lot of people, they have pain, they have grief, they have things that they're dealing with. They make it very sad. And, you know, a lot of death comes in the winter when it's cold. 
as the seasons change, and it always has. And so uh, that's why, you know, civilizations have always celebrated the, the, the depth of the winter as a time of death and rebirth, because, you know, people died in the winter a lot. And so a lot of people have to deal with the death of loved ones this time of year. And even more so with this pandemic right now. And we can look at church buildings or the Christmas pageants or the festive carolers, and we can feel that, that God is there. That God, if, if we wanted to find God, we need to go there, go to the buildings, go to the pageants, go listen to the carols. And if for some reason we're not there and we're not happy, we might feel like God has abandoned us. But what that story of Mary shows is that even in our most difficult times, even when we can't feel God's presence in our lives, even in a dark night of the soul, as uh, it's sometimes called, God is with us. God is with you. You know, it wasn't through some beautiful perfection, some miraculous, you know, um, um, light and, and, and glory and music that God performed the greatest miracle and brought Christ into the world. It was through the lowliest and the most downtrodden of people in the most human and utterly relatable way possible. The birth from a, a woman, just like the vast majority of us um, experience ourselves. God comes to us wherever we are, and asks us to be co-creators in God's kingdom. And sometimes the most authentic Christmas experience for us is one where God comes to us in the depth of our brokenness and our grief and reminds us that this too, this brokenness and this grief, this is part of what it means to be human. Grief is part and parcel with loving someone. Grief is part of loving one another. And it's difficult, but we can take solace in the the fact that God is there with us and that we're there for each other in those difficult times. So if your Christmas is not as merry as you would like it to be, give yourself some grace. Sit with that emotion and listen for God in those moments of grief and sadness. And no matter how you feel, be graceful with one another during this complicated season. Many people are hurting, and even a small amount of love and forgiveness for the smallest of things can lift their spirits. Being human is a messy and complicated thing, but God is always with us. Amen.